Men's mental health matters. Live life with an outback mind. Thanks so much for joining in, guys. Episode 207 today with Mr. Marty Clay. Marty uh, looks like he's 18, but he's actually 37. Uh, incredibly healthy guy, I believe. You know, you can just tell by his complexion that he uh, he's doing something right. Um, you now, one of his uh, his tools is ice baths. That's that's part of his own regime. He also um, helps people uh, learn how to implement that into their lives, but. Also, uh, he's a mindset coach or a human behaviour specialist, so he actually understands human behaviour innately uh, to be able to sort of shift blockages, old uh, patterns, old thinkings, uh, be able to learn to settle our mind through meditation and a variety of different things. So we're going to learn a lot from Marty today uh, with regards to his own journey. Um, He's been uh, pretty successful in business and also um, with other aspects of life and uh, Certainly, um, you know, for a young guy to be able to live his passion and dream and work for himself, I think that's a goal, you know, and uh, I suppose something we need to try and maybe strive towards. It's great to be independent and be able to do our own things and uh, and do things we're in control of, and I think Marty's got that right, you know, so uh, hopefully you'll be able to get a bit from this conversation today around that and what you might be able to do to maybe shift some self-doubt within yourself and uh, be able to move towards what your alignment and goals actually are, so... Please, uh, you know, let me know uh, your feedback. Uh, I really appreciate it. Best to email me, supportedoutbackmind.com.au or sorry.org.au, supportedoutbackmind.org.au. If you'd like to help us out with the Outback Mind Foundation and make a donation, I'd be really grateful. Uh, it's fully tax deductible, tax deductible and really helps us out. So if you could jump on the website, outbackmind.org.au and, um, yeah, chip away a little bit, I'd be, be really grateful. And, uh, you know, who knows what's uh, ahead for us. We've got uh, some big plans we need to be able to work towards achieving that in the future. And unfortunately, money is uh, um, going to help us on the, on the way. So um, appreciate any support you can give us. Alrighty, thanks very much for listening in. Really appreciate your feedback. G'day, Marty. Hey, Aaron. How are you doing? Very well, mate. Very well. Really grateful uh, to have you on for a chat, mates. And um, yeah, loving what you're doing. And uh, I was just saying in the introduction, um, you know how how you've been able to create a you know pretty much an ideal life for yourself. Um, you know, working for yourself now and doing some stuff you love. But we'll sort of we'll get into that a bit more as we go, mate. But um, yeah, just uh, really, really uh, happy to have you along. I'd like to hear a bit about your background. I know your mum's from from Singapore, the Philippines, and your dad's Australian. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Like, so um, dad, dad's Australian, and and the background, obviously, our last name's Clay, uh, C L A Y, and he he grew up in Doncaster and had a had a fruit farm, which has been you know generational passed down. They came over. Uh, back in the day, uh, from you know, from from the UK, and um, decided to buy some land and and uh, grow some fruit, and so that's that was their living as farmers. And uh, on Mum's side, she's Filipino, um, and she's from a generation of uh, farmers as well. They they had plant like banana plantations and whatnot, and a few other things. Um, and her, her dad, which is my grandfather, he, he actually served in the, the US Army for World War II. Um, so, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty diverse mix. 
Unreal, mate. And do you have uh, brothers and sisters? No, so I'm an only child and I was born in Mackay in Queensland. Mm-hmm. Um, they decided Dad Dad didn't really like the cold in the Victor- Victoria, so he wanted to get, get further north, get warmer. Um, so what happened there basically was, yeah, I would have, wouldn't have been an only child, but mum had such a bad experience in the hospital uh, where, yeah, she just, it was just a lot of, it was traumatising basically how I, how I came about. So mm-hmm. uh, I, like, I think she ended up getting three epidurals in her back to start with, um, you know, it was sort of like a trainee doctor or something, so she didn't really have a lot of trust. Mm. Also, you know, she was only in the country for maybe maybe nine months to a year, mm. so, you know, no family around, so <clears throat> you could imagine what would, would have been going through her head. Yeah, mate, absolutely. It's, it's interesting. Uh, I've heard quite a lot uh, from people recently that are only childs and their mothers had pretty traumatic experiences with them. So that was it. They pulled up stumps after that, you know. But, um, yeah, you're right. It's probably not a not an easy thing to go through for many people. So, uh, mate, I'm grateful you're here with us and uh, your mum stuck with it and, and got, you, got you here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's been it's been an interesting thing. Like we ended up didn't stay too long in Mackay. We ended up moving up to Reg, uh, and you know they they basically started started with nothing. My dad he, he was a, a salesman. Um, you know that that's from when I was born till you know when I was older. Like. The biggest challenge in our lives uh, and then was being the struggle of money uh, and, and providing for the family. So, you know, they tried their best to to hide the arguments away from me, Like, but I could always hear them in the other room um, and I'm, I'm quite a, I guess, sensitive person and as I've gotten older, I've learned to be uh, empathic uh, so you can really tune in on to other people and what they're feeling and just by the way they're looking and how they're verbally talking. And uh, that's just definitely from learning, I guess, yeah, seeing how, how they would play out. And I sort of made a vow from when I was about eight years old that I didn't want money to be an issue um, just to see how much they were hurting uh, and in that pain. And, you know, they're, they're always – and they are always they're hard workers and – you, you know, good people, and you just sort of think, you know, you could see from them, they're like, well, what else, you know, I'm doing all the right things and it's still not working for me, like, yes. you know, and so seeing that, that was, that's been a big thing where I've sort of put a vow, made a vow where I didn't want money to be an issue, but <laughs> as growing up, um, it's always, there's been a struggle there and, and a money blockage imprinted on me from them, which has been passed down generational to generational. And so, um, yeah, I had my first business when I was eight years old selling lollies to other kids as a way of trying to provide for my family to, to you know, to get them out of, out of that situation. So throughout school, um, I've been ter- always been terrible at school. Uh, I felt like... You know, year one and year two, like I'd look at, I can still see the, the report cards of, you know, getting A pluses and going, oh, I've got no idea what I'm doing 
and I just don't know when I'm going to get found out. And, <laughs> um, and I didn't like, like, I just didn't get it. And it wasn't until I was uh, in year three, so seven or eight, um, that they figured out that I couldn't read. And what mm. they do is what would happen is I, the teacher would know that I wasn't listening in class and she'd make me stand up in front of the class and go, well, what were we just talking about? And knowingly know that I wouldn't know. And what would happen is I'd just look like an idiot and um, all the kids would be laughing at me. And that's what created a fear of public speaking mm. um, and the feeling that I was stupid and dumb because everyone else could get, you know, what the teacher was teaching and I'd just be sitting there going, and I just don't get it and I'd be frustrated with myself mm. and it created poor self-esteem, um, feeling dumb and stupid. And I remember coming home one day from school and saying to Dad, you know, I feel... I'm, I'm dumb, like I'm stupid, like, mm. and he just said, where did you get that from? Did a teacher, teach, did a teacher say that to you or, um, and I said, no, I just, that's just how I feel, but um, that's where it sort of stemmed from. So mm. throughout school, I've never, never got good grades, never wanted to be there or I was bored. I sort of just wanted to get on with my own businesses and having fun and, having fun and playing. Mm. Um and I stuck it out, like, throughout high school, had all different other businesses, you know, burning mixed CDs, selling soccer jerseys uh, and other things. And um, I wish, like, looking back, I probably should have, uh, you know, left at year 10, but Dad would always emphasise he left at year 10 and, and how much it was a, a bit tricky for him to get a job because he didn't have uh, the year 12 certification. So I sort of stuck it out till and finished my year 12. And what I didn't really like about year 12 was I, I did put in a bit of effort and it and wasn't rewarded um, in terms of, you know, putting in the effort and work. And um, I wish I sort of just, you know, had a bit more fun with it. But um, I ended up getting the second worst score, overall school to get in year 12. So... If any friends or teachers or anything were to go, oh, Marty Clay, Martin Clay, he would be the least person to succeed in life. Mm. Um, mm. That's the type of person I was. The self-esteem, you know, I was quite shy throughout school, um, not confident, uh, obviously confident in things that I wanted to be doing, but when it came to anything else that I wasn't interested in or couldn't see the value in, I, I was shy. Mm. Um, and had poor self-esteem. So, and then, yeah, later on, I'd be buying and selling cars when I left school. And, you know, the te there was always this pressure around, I don't know when it started, but with the teachers from, I don't know, it could have been year, even from year eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, like you need to have your life figured out. You need to, you know, it's going to be a big world out there and all this pressure uh, just it was too much pressure and, and it made me not really know what I wanted to do. But I, uh, in my teens, you know, Dad, he was a finance broker and had his own business um, and he'd drive me around looking at property, seeing the value of a property before it would go up or seeing a suburb and showing me, you know, the pros and cons and why he thinks this area is going to go up and whatnot. And, and they ended up going up significantly and I and I um so it 
it gave me the determination to be like, all right, I'm going to get a job, you know, a good paying job. I heard you could make just as much as a nurse just doing shift work uh, at the airport mm-hmm. for a logistics company. So that's what I planned to do. Um, and I went out and did that and saved up my own money and bought my first house when I was 20 years old. Mm. Mm. Unbelievable, mate. Just just quickly, mate, getting back to the journey, a lot of enlightened people don't fit into the school system. You know, we know when we're young that, 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 that what we're being taught is not right, but we, we just have to go along for the ride. But uh, it's amazing how many people like yourself that, you know, certainly from, from those standards struggle but came out, come out, you know, so much, so much better and so much stronger than the average person that gets sucked into that system. And, you know, I'll look at a lot of guys that I went through that system with, which were really good at school, are now very unhealthy and very overweight. Uh, but they've got lots of money, you know. So uh, I, I don't see this, uh, the, the, the sense in that. I, I think that's, that's quite ridiculous, to be honest. You know, for, for a school to be able to help you understand, Marty, what do you love to do, and then be able to work towards helping you with that, I think that's most important rather than your grades and all that sort of 100%, stuff. 100%. And that, te- that, that, that teacher humiliated you, you know, primarily, you know, to be able to get you in front of a heap of kids that are laughing at you. How would she feel if, if, if someone actually did that to her as an adult, you know? Exactly, exactly. Mm. And, yeah, I've carried that throughout my whole whole life. I'm 37 now mm. um, and still do have a fear of public speaking. And, and, mm. and the funny thing is now I've got my own podcast and I'm speaking. Uh, so it's, it's quite ironic. But the thing that I left out is, in all those years, like, there was a teacher, what happened was when they discovered I couldn't read in year three is they put us into this uh, special school, I guess, like a special class uh, where there was about six of us that couldn't read. And the teacher there, he was amazing. He, what, what I learned from him and I still try to incorporate and I incorporate today was he brought the funness of how to learn. And so how he did that was to get us to read, he'd throw, we'd play with this little soft football and we'd be playing and playing, throwing it around and then he'd go, okay, we're going to stop for a minute and then we're going to pick up the book and we're going to read. And he, and he taught us the fun of learning mm-hmm. and we picked up reading and that we picked up the level of reading uh, I think back within six months back at that level um, mm. and I never had a teacher after maybe one teacher after that maybe in year 11 or 12 with mathematics that he just he came at it with a way of bringing fun to learning so you're not going to learn if you're not interested in it or if you don't see the value in learning and you've got to be able to find a way that can inspire that child or that person uh, and see the value of it and, and come from it with fun. Because you, you know yourself, if you're having fun with something, you're going to learn a lot faster than if you're not interested and you don't see the value and don't want to be there. Why do you think that is? Like your heart's open and your mind's open, isn't it, really? Ex- exactly, yep. exactly. Yep. So, so you think about it, mate. When you're in, the, you're in a classroom, you're being denatured, you're, you're actually like your heart's closed, your mind's quite closed a lot of the time. But if you're in a, in a fun environment where you're actually open and it's enjoyable, and think about that word, enjoyable, 
then you're actually like promoting growth, aren't you? Hundred percent. Like if you're having fun and you're playing and you're interested in what you're learning, you will imprint it and you won't forget it. Mm, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's it. the and that's and that's it. That's the key to learning is, you know, is if you've got people in your class of whatever age, whether it's a child or like you think of a kid, like they're always playing like a toddler. You know, that's how they're learning. They're yes. learning through play, and and that's the, that's like we overcomplicate learning. Like yes. we can still we can still teach what we want to want to teach, but come from a from a place of fun and play to that child. Yeah, um, and to the adult as well. And to the adult, exactly. Like you know, you've got people. Uh, you would know the statistics of corporate people are bringing in speakers, motivational speakers, and whatnot to encourage the workforce that they've got to be higher performers. Um, and a lot of them go into these workshops and uh, retreats and they just they don't value it because they haven't paid for it out of their own pocket. But the other part of it is they don't see the benefit of it and they're just going, oh, don't have to work a couple of days away so they don't really take on a lot of what the teachings are there. Mm, that's it. Yeah, mate, agree, agree. You know, geez, there's so much wisdom in that, isn't there? The, the, whole, the whole system of learning in Western society is us about, like, most, like a lot of things are primarily. Uh, you know, if we can actually start to, to learn how to open people up and, and help them reach their potential, isn't that so much more powerful? But we have this control mindset, um, you know, from that colonial model, which is all about fear, force and control, you know. It keeps us away from, you know, our purpose and our, our growing mind and our truth and that sort of thing. And that's why so many people in, in uh, modern society are struggling with mental health issues because they're away and they're out of their alignment, um, you know, and uh, they're trying to force that alignment through other things. But being able to open themselves up to their truth and their purpose, I think that can really help them you know, move into, uh, you know, a great life. Exactly, exactly. Mm, mm, it's amazing, mate, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Um, so so with regards to, to that journey, like once you sort of got into the, um, uh, into the market, you bought your first house, uh, what was the next step from there for you? Yeah, it's a bit of a funny story. So like because mum's Filipino, which she's Asian, there's a bit of a... A background with the emphasis with Asian people that you know you need to go to school and you need to go to university and you need to become a doctor a lawyer a dentist a mm. pilot or something of a profession because for them that was their key to a better life and that's true that that that, that was the key back then but now we have a lot of more options but so there was a the pressure from mum saying I had to always go to university. I said, look, mum, I don't want to go. Like, in my head, I could see, why do I want to go to university to do more of what I don't want to be doing and racking up? And this is for me. I don't have any issue if you do want to go to university and get a degree. But for me, um, I could just see, I don't want to be seventy, hundred thousand dollars $100,000 in debt and then start my life at 23 or 24. Mm. And so... I had a bet with my mum and I said, look, I'm going to buy my first house before 
uh, I turned 21 and then you're going to have to get off my back. Um, and then I wanted to buy more property after that. And she <laughs> said, all right, let's, let's do the bet. And I said, all right, let's go. And um, one thing that kept me, I guess, kept me going throughout high school and stuff, like, like I said, I had poor self-esteem through, throughout the whole time, uh, even into my 20s and whatnot. And when... When I went home to dad when I was seven or eight saying I feel stupid and dumb, he like he, he said to me, you're not stupid, you're not dumb, you're smart, you're intelligent, uh, you're a genius. Mm. I didn't believe him when he said that, but that's the words I needed to hear and I believe that was just enough to, even though I didn't believe it all throughout school, I still didn't believe it. I think it was enough for me to prove a point. Um, mm. So the motivation, like, even after school, I'd be applying for just any job, thinking, okay, I just need to get a full-time job, then I can go to the bank, and I've, I've got a six-month pay slip, so I can go get a loan for a house. Mm. And that was the plan. And um, up until this point, I'm 37 now, I've applied for jobs through the, you know, how you correct send a resume out, see a job that's advertising. I've never been hired for a full-time job. <laughs> so I got rejected more and more when I was 17 and 18, and I'm just like, what's got to give? Like, I know I have something to offer, and if someone just gives me the opportunity, I will prove, like, I will prove them you know, wrong and, and I'm reliable and I know my worth. I don't know where that came from, to be honest, other than, the amount of rejection and feeling like a loser, it just sort of snapped one day where I'm like, I know I've got something to offer. Um, and eventually uh, through a back door, I would say, it's like when I had my first real girlfriend relationship, her dad worked at a, a logistic at the airport and he said, look, I can't give you any favours. You're going to have to go through the hard route because I can't look like I'm favouring you, mm. which he never did. He just gave me the number of a, a casual, uh, like the labour hire force to give them a call to see if they had anything going and put me on the book if, if when they've got stuff available. And that's how I started my career. So started off just, uh, you know, a couple of days a week, casual, and then worked my way up. And they, in the end, they wanted to keep me on to become full-time, but they just didn't have anything. And uh, one of their oppositions had a full-time job and um, away I went and, and then got my first house at 20, and mum based, I'm not going to annoy you about university anymore. So, mm. yeah. Mate, um, look, mate, I was I was a young bloke just like you. Uh, I struggled at school, this, that, and the other. But mind you, I, I didn't, I, like, I found the work quite easy. I just was, I didn't like the way... It was structured and, you know, like the lining up before class and the bloody bell and, you know, this, that, the other and um, all that stuff, you know, it wasn't great. And uh, I, I was having conversations with my parents like about buying a house and that when I was 16, 17 and I was getting knocked down. Uh, you know, I remember I had a great uncle that lived in Melbourne or, uh, you know, he married my auntie and he was quite entrepreneurial he was a shoe salesman primarily, so he never got to live his best life, I don't think either. But 
I was sort of saying I want to buy a house in Richmond in Victoria near the MCG or an apartment in that. They were about 80 grand back then, you know. And yeah. I'm sort of – I wasn't getting like really guidance saying go for it, that sort of thing. So I sort of uh, – you know, from here I got a little bit of insight, but I never really got the uh, – you know, the, the door never opened for me to be able to go and, uh, and, and and chase this sort of stuff, you know. And they were probably pretty, you know, fundamental moments in my life where I wasn't able to do what I believed was right or what I knew was going to take me to financial freedom or freedom in general or happiness in general because I wouldn't have had to have got part of the system, become part of the system. Uh, you know, it would have given me independence and... Um, if I had have been encouraged at that age, mate, things could have been totally different. You know, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, but I'm glad I am in many ways, you know. So everything that I've been through has brought me here for, for a reason. But, you know, I've had to struggle financially too, um, you know, and I've set up a charity now which is not going to make me a lot of money, but it's actually going to help a lot of people. But, um, uh, you know, that that's, that's, that's sort of where the alignment's taken me, but... Having that proper guidance back then would have been, you know, probably, uh, you know, probably welcome, and uh, who knows what might have happened. But uh, yeah, it's it's a sliding doors moment, isn't it? At the end of the day, exactly, exactly. Like you know, in hindsight, it's always looking back, <laughs> you can see it. But it's just when you're in that day to day grind with the pain, it's like you know, it's, and that's the thing that I I, I feel needs to be taught in school is you know mm. dealing with your emotions or if you're going through adversity like you know you look at the school system we're all you know they congratulate you on having a test mm. which brings all this pressure um and you know rewards you for succeeding imagine if you flip that around and instead of reward you for getting it right reward you for getting it wrong yes that's it the amount of you know failure that feeling of turning failure into a positive mm. and going right i've just failed 10 times i'm getting excited or seven times i'm going to crack i'm going to figure this out i've just got to have the patience and it will and i'll be able to figure it out if you had that like imagine imagine where we could be oh mate agree and do you think about it like it's it's topsy turvy in many ways? Like, imagine if we had incentives to be healthy. You know, if we were actually like when you were you were nineteen or twenty, if you were well for a year, you got a you got a bonus. You know, or you you, yeah. you got free gym membership, or you got you know something as a tool to keep you well rather than take you the other way. So this is a sinister, you know, behaviour or sinister. Uh, system, I believe, you know, that we're, that we're actually in. You know, it becomes yeah. more and more evident every day uh, just how how programmed we've been away from our truth, you know, uh, which is a real shame. But, you know, once you start to actually live a bit more into your truth and your alignment, then you actually start to see where you've been and, and, and you know, sort of have some compassion for, for all that. A lot of people are stuck in that grind and that system and, you um, you know, I think I think it's it's going to change. You know, I really do. There's enough people waking up now to um, to other ways of uh, of living, uh, more in empowerment. I suppose that's 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 totally um, critical to to function well as a human. But when we're being disempowered, that's when we have the the problems that we have in modern society, and and that's obviously evident with the physical health issues, the mental health issues, and all that. You know, so just just think about this, Marty. Right. 
So I know you, you know, health's a big part of your game, but um, and, and 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 mine too. But how often are we getting knocked a lot? You know, uh, sorry, enticed to to be unhealthy. So you just got to go to a game of sport and see the advertising. It's all about eating shit and drinking and gambling. Um, you're driving down the highway, you're seeing junk food advertised to you everywhere. Uh, so when you get when you when your mind is not right or you're a bit out of balance, you'll go to those unhealthy behaviours. Your body's going to respond to that, you know, and that's going to cause disease physically and mentally. And, and I think, you know, this is well known at, the, at high levels and, and, and this is the agenda that's pushing, um, you know, down through the system. The, the same as, um, you know, having you in the system of uh, being in debt all your life as well. Oh, it's exactly like, you know, me striving, you know, to, to build that property portfolio throughout my 20s um, and, like, having, you know, that cliche goal of wanting to be, you know, make my first million by when I was 30, um, it, like, I never, you know, was never taught that, you know, the skills of, um, you know, saving daily um, and, you know, the practical skills of, Paying, you know, getting on the front foot with paying your bills rather than um, paying them as they arise, and then freak out and go, "I've got the money for it," and mm. being in that, you know, that focus and thought, and and you're just stuck in that system. Mm, that's right. But you but you can change your habits and get on the front foot. And um, I do highly recommend to anyone listening, whether you have a business or not, is if you haven't read, you know, The Barefoot Investor and also Profit First, which teaches you a lot about your relationship with money and getting on the front foot. Um, So, you know, you're not freaking out and living week to week. um, And it takes time. It is a system that takes time because... We've only known one way and we've been taught only one way about, uh, you know, you, you go to work and go home and then, you know, have a couple of drinks or whatever it is and, you know, pay your bills. And if you can't pay your bills, then you get a credit card and then you rack up your credit card and you're stuck on that, that cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mate. Oh, look, jeez, uh, it was about 10 years ago, there was a huge push for people to get more and more in debt, wasn't there? They were letting you have uh, the amount of credit that you, that you wanted to, to book up whatever you like, but that, that, that changed. But thinking back about it, mate, when I was a young bloke, I'd see my dad come home from work with uh, like a, a pay packet and he'd have $180 in it or something. He was a painter, so he'd give... Um, He'd give 140 to mum and he'd have 40 bucks, um, you know, for, for him to buy beer and petrol and this, that and the other, you know. Uh, yeah. And that, that's, 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 that, that was my observation of it. And when I, uh, when I went into work, it was the same. You know, every Thursday, Christine, who worked at the back, would do the pays up and she'd give me a pay, a pay uh, little slip thing with cash in it. So back then I used to take... Um, uh, you know, $20 and put it in the bank and uh, spend the rest on whatever. Uh, but then I'll make the superannuation agent come to me and said, oh, mate, we should be saving for your retirement. You know, by the time you're 50, you'll have a million dollars. Um, so I was giving him $30 of my paycheck as well. Little did I know that it was actually getting, uh, you know, a bit of it was put into his own pocket and so forth too. But 
Um, you know, so so I thought I was doing the right thing, but I was certainly uh, out of whack. Uh, but yeah, like how the financial systems change, mate, was actually more real when you were handling cash now compared to uh, just being, um, you know, uh, invisible. That's it, yeah. Mm, yeah. It's amazing. You wouldn't have seen a lot of cash. You're probably a bit younger than me, but what probably wasn't the thing that uh, was around when you were a young bloke. Yeah, it was cash was what, yeah, I, like when I was saving up to that first house and like I said, I didn't, I was quite proud of myself being able to save it up and not have to ask, you know, for some money from mum and dad at that point. Um, so that, that it was a that was my first big win for me was to be like, you know, I've, 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 like I was like, you know, I set out a goal and, and and I achieved it, and that was my first significant success. Um, so what happened, mate? Um, so you. You bought, so from there, yeah, you bought so, a couple of yeah, places. So from, so from there, ended up buying. At one point, I think by twenty six or twenty seven, had seven or eight properties at that point. Jeez. Um, but again, throughout that whole time, like it, like I had fun throughout there, and I could have had a lot more properties because the original plan was, you know first property and then go get the next one as soon as possible but because we were at that time we had the first homeowners grant you had to live in that property the first one mm. and so i got comfortable <laughs> enjoyed partying with my friends and my friends coming over and you know whatnot and i got stuck in that cycle and it was quite fun and all but the original plan was to go back you know, after the year, go back home with mum and dad so I could go and get the others. That was the original plan. And, mm. um, yeah, for a period there, I, I didn't – wasn't able to afford another one because the interest rates were quite high at that time. So – and I'm not meaning, you know, 91, 92 where they were 17 or 19%. Uh, at that point, I was 7, 7.5 going up. So I think it went up to 9%. Um, so – you know, I, I was always over leveraged and got in the habit of being, you know, really pushing, pushing it and not being able to actually save and just trying to make it work. But that came at a cost, you know, of being, you know, trying to find ways to earn more money and, and not really, you know, getting into those smart money habits. Um, and so, you know, a few years at work. Uh, I think maybe it was like four or five years in at the airport, I was getting bullied um, from a staff member uh, that was very, and but he was he was a bully. Um, mm. So they didn't really want to do anything with him because he was good at his job, mm. and it was really playing on me because I'm like you know I'm, I'm you know I'm trying to do the best I can, and he you know he would over this it was that theme. It was the exact same theme. So there was a gift there. There's a gift in this pain um, of he would uh, it'd bring me back to when that teacher got me to stand in front of the class to speak in front of everyone because what he would do is he'd, he'd point out my errors over the radio so all the sections could hear. Mm. Um, and, and this is what, you know, probably from... 16 to 17, my attitude was getting really, really negative and bad. 
I should say, as well. Um, and how I found the path of personal development was my dad gave me my first book, which I didn't want to read books even up until that point, was How to Win Friends and Influence Others. Mm. And I read it the first time and finished it, but I didn't really incorporate it. And so I had to read it a couple of times to really, for it to sink in, but it was just enough. And um, fast forwarding to when I was getting bullied, like I went through the whole, you know, the, the correct go to HR and whatnot and, um, you know, they they said, you know, you need to document in detail what he said in that. And, like, he had, he, you know, he had a history with not just me, like other people have, like, flung chairs in his direction and that. This is how much he would trigger and anger people. Um, but they said, you know, you really need to document in detail when it started, the date and all this, and I'd just be flustered and enraged going, yeah. like, like, you know, in that moment you're not thinking about that. And anyways... Just the gift of it was positive from it was it got me to start thinking maybe I should leave and, you know, go go overseas and travel and whatnot. And um, to deal with the bullying, it got me to go see a hypnotherapist. And, you know, at that time I sort of thought, is a hypnotherapist going to be someone like you see on TV where they turn you into a chicken and that? So I had a bit of scepticism around that. But I just felt like I need something to help me deal with this bullying. Like, I, I can't ex I don't do with these emotions. Um, and so from that, I did a few sessions and, and, and the hypnotherapy really opened me up to meditation and it had nothing to do with, you know, you were always in control. You could always wake up. Um, you're, you're fully there. It's just you're dealing with your subconscious and putting aside the you know your conscious the analytical side of thinking and, and getting to the core of you know your being um and what that did is that opened me up to personal development and spirituality and around 2009 as the gfc was hitting in 2008 and sort of till six months seven months after in australia is uh the the job at the airport was offering some redundancies and they said, you know, you can go to this section, a higher section, which was, you know, the career path, you know, you should have taken, like, if you're going to stay there long term, that's the next career path. But the issue was he was in that section mm. and I had to question whether I really wanted, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. wanted to deal with him because I was already at, I was ready to punch him in the face. Mm. That's how I was feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, work didn't want to do anything about it. So I I took the redundancy um, in 2009 and this is as GFC, you know, having the unknown, dealing with the unknown, the fears were coming up, like I've got a mortgage to pay, how am I going to do, you know, how am I going to, all that came up, the feelings, the emotions. And the hypnotherapy helped me get to a state of being comfortable in the unknown Mm. And what I did was I, I rented out my property and made sure that my bills were taken care of for 12 months. And I was like, all right, I want to go have a bit of fun and travel and see the world. And what happened was I was like, well, I don't want to go overseas and pack up credit card debt like everyone does and come back home. So I was like, okay, so what can I do? How can I make a living 
overseas while traveling and so put that intention out there and you know on the internet i googled it as well and um it's came up cruise ships working on cruise ships but so i delved into that and learned as much as i could and i was close to you know i was applying for jobs on cruise ships and was getting that rejection again and um basically i my I stumbled upon my mate was working on super yachts and I didn't know what the hell a super yacht was at this point of time. Googled what it and I was like, oh, this looks way better than the cruise ships because on a cruise ship you've got to work for six months straight and they give you time off in between shift but you're working for six months straight. Mm. Whereas on a, on a super yacht, uh, you can, you know, you might be working – 24-7 for two weeks at a time or three weeks, but you actually get some, you know, down days off, completely off. And so I delved in, bought a book, Googled everything I could, and to get a job on these super yachts, uh, you've got to get this safety certificate qualification, which takes, I think it's like two days or so, two, I can't, from memory, could have been two or three days, cost about 1200 bucks. Um and you go overseas to the port. So in in from April to May, uh, the season was the Mediterranean season, and and you go go over to south of France and and literally door knock on a marina on each boat and go, have you got any day work? You know, just which is casual work, and from there, or if you have got any full time jobs going. Um, and I was like, at that time, like all the, the agencies, because it was the GFC, they said, look, this is the worst idea to go over there. You, the chances of you getting a job are zero. <laughs> and so I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to let this deter me. Like I, if, if I'm going to go over, I'm going to at least go over with, you know, have a, have a, make it as a holiday. If I get something, I get something. If I don't, I don't. And I was like, all right, so how can I increase my chances of zero and i was like right i'll look around and see if there's any super yachts on the gold coast or close to me in, in queensland and they're not super like they're tiny compared to what they are over in in uh, the us and in the caribbean and the mediterranean but there was some there and i and i and i was able to get some work experience so they didn't pay me I was willing to drive from Redcliffe to the Gold Coast, took, you know, an hour and a half in the peak traffic and then come home. And I did it for about four to five months just to put it on my resume that at least I've got something. Mm. Um, and basically the first stop was I uh, went over to uh, Dubai and, you know, to get through to these super yachts, because these things are, you know, 100 million, 200 million, 300 million. They're owned by, you know, the rich the very rich people um and you don't you can't just rock up like you've got to learn the back doors to get in and know the you know the language and to bluff like mm. so these are the things that i learned with the work the valuableness of the work experience was i didn't know i wasn't aware of any of this so you know it's heavily secure there's a lot of security heavily guarded so you need to know the type of boat that's in the yard and and say oh you know i'm just a day worker to get through the cracks to then be able to 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 present your resume um and so i went through dubai and was able to get through all the security and whatnot and blood, like you know had a look at what boat 
Googled up and said, oh, I'm just, you know, I've got, got some uh, contracting work on that boat. And uh, they let me through and, and got chatting to the, the captain. And the captain was Australian, so we, we, you know, had something in common. And he said, look, I want to, you know, take you out for the night. So we went out and had some drinks afterwards and he just, I just wanted to get a feel for, me, for myself and what I could bring because I didn't have, that, you know, I had only three months' experience in the toughest time. Like, you know, they were only really looking for people that were already in the industry with two to three years plus experience. So I was very, the term is very green. Mm. Um, and he, he offered me a job um, then and there. And I said, oh, you know, thank you. Thank you so much. But I'm, is, is it just a job for myself? Because at the time I had a partner and I'm looking for a job as a couple, the couples. And he goes, look, I've so for one of you. And so I, I uh, had to turn that job down, but I was able to get, one of the other workers that was doing work experience with me on the Gold Coast got him got him to take that job. And so speaking to these, you know, agencies, like they said, to just get a job just on your own is hard enough. But to get a couple's job, you definitely need to both have three years minimum experience in the industry. Mm. And so I didn't let that deter me. I was on to my next uh, route was on to south of France and Antibes. And I door knocked on there and was able to pick up some day work. And it was another Aussie crew. And uh, they could see how green I was. Like, you know, like, and at the time, I probably should mention was uh, a a week or maybe three weeks before I went on this trip is I I busted my shoulder, my right hand, which is my dominant hand, uh, busted my shoulder. And I had to hide that as well just to add <laughs> to the challenges yes. and so i had to learn to use my left hand and pretend i was left-handed to get these jobs and um i was a lot slower as well and um and so anyways after a week of doing day work which was you know it was good pain was 120 dollars euros a day um was uh, the, the the first mate came to me and said look i want to give you a full-time job and your partner, and so I, so I called my partner who was back home and got her to fly over and got, got us a job. And the deckhands, none of them wanted me. They could see how green I was. So, yeah, the first mate obviously saw something. Mm. <laughs> and, um, yeah, spent 20 months, a bit over 20 months doing being a deckhand. And, you know, you can learn from there. I highly recommend anyone that's, 17 just coming out of school and has no idea what they want to do with their life but they do want to travel um it is the one of the best things to do because you can start off as a deckhand or a stewardess um and they pay for your certifications if you want to have a career in that industry um and become a captain one day like there was some people that got in when they were 17 and they were captains by 27 mm-hmm. and the money you know it's t- tax-free uh they pay for everything your food your accommodation so you're banking that money um and they'll pay for your learnings and you're you're seeing the world mm. mate was there any famous people that you had on board my particular boat it wasn't i the who owned the boat at the time? He was the 85th richest man in the world um, through mining and resources. 
Uh, so it was a lot of businessmen and whatnot. But uh, one of my, one of the deckhands that I worked with, he went on to work on a charter boat. So the boat we were on, it was a fed ship, which not only to get the boat I got onto, it's like the you know like it's a Rolls Royce premium boat like that's like like you don't usually you can't score that normally like you've got to have experience to be on and it's fed on these fed ships so mm. the value of this boat was a custom boat which was over 300 million euros mm. to make it was privately used i privately owned uh where like charter boats you can charter them out for three days and the cost can be like three hundred thousand four hundred thousand dollars just for three days mm. to hire these things out um, but he had celebrities and whatnot on on that boat like he had michael schumacher on that boat um and stuff like that Jeez, mm. mate i've got a 17 year old and uh that's what i might be uh advising him to do uh, I, I, like i said <laughs> you, you learn you learn so much an experience and it's a completely different life out there but it can it can set you up financially but then also the life skills you know you, like the cleaning the attention to detail like the pride you've got to, the upkeep of having learning standards and 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 improving your standards it, it is a life skill Jeez, mate, amazing. Like, I, I, I wish I was 17 again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be able yeah. to, like, actually have that opportunity. Mate, um, so so coming out of that and getting back to Australia, this is when the entrepreneur side of you really started to kick in and you started to, to move towards, you know, what you wanted to do and obviously uh, getting into helping people and, and obviously looking after your own health uh, a bit better as well. Yeah, I sort of, sort of like, at the, on the boat, like, I was really getting into personal development books. I was just devouring and reading as much as I could. Um, like standing next, like to be able to stand next to the, the 85th richest man in the world, I'm standing there and in my head I'm like, not to be cocky or, or anything, I'm just like, he's no different to me. Mm. Why, I, why can't I have that? Yes. And not coming from a victim mentality state or anything like that, but, like, it just gave me more confidence and belief to go, if he can get it, then I can go out and get it. He was self-made. So, yeah, so it gave me the belief and confidence. But up until this point, I was still chasing money. Um, so coming from a place of chasing money and one of my friends, he was working – uh, as a industrial and commercial real estate agent, and I came back one time just on one of my breaks from holidays because um, they even pay for your flights back home, for you know, and then to get back to the boat. And um, mm. he was telling me how much he was earning back home. He was, like, earning $300,000. You know, again, you didn't need to go to university or have any, you know, you just had to go get the uh, the real estate license and you didn't even have to get the full license you could just get the the one week course so i was like i saw the dollar signs and i'm like oh i can make more money i can you know pro help my mum and dad out i can see this can really set me up and so came back home became a commercial real estate agent but the options that were given to me at the time it was it wasn't a good option like to learn you know it takes a couple of years a year or so to really learn again you know you're learning another language link you know the processes 
Um, it was more of like my own business model. So like, a, I don't know if you remember the days of Remax Real Estate, the residential company where you're sort of like a business. Yep. And, you know, I had a seat fee like where I had to pay $3,000, $3,300 a month. Um, and then you sort of got 90% commission. So this is my first business in terms of dealing with money and trying to provide for myself and not that money coming from, you know, working for someone else. And it was it was a nightmare. Um, mm. The mental side of it and just juggling it, like the, that 3300 I think it was racking up to, it got to one stage 50000 in debt. And I'm just thinking of the debt and the focus on that and not really, you know, having, you got to feel that day-to-day, the stress, the fear, um, and, you know, in that time doing deals, learning, you know, to sell and lease. And um, like several times I wanted to quit. And the boss said, you know, just keep at it. It, it will turn. The momentum will turn. Um, and I was able to do my first big deal, which was I sold a property for $2 million and made $60,000 in that one deal. And that took, you know, six to seven months to set up. But I was able to, you know, square away my debts. And, you know, I was like, wow, I made $60,000 in one deal. Mm. Um so it was pretty crazy. But along around that period, this is when I got back into personal development and I was went to workshops and retreats and everything I could learn about, you know, getting, this, getting my money blockage sorted and trying to be able to earn an income for myself and live life on my terms. But it was such a struggle. Um, and I was getting so much out of these workshops and ended up hiring a coach for 12 months. And so I went from sixty thousand dollars to earning two hundred and twenty thousand in in one year, and I put it down to the only difference was is having that coach, that accountability person for twelve months, and really getting stuck into personal development and self development. Jeez, mm, mate, how old were you then? Uh, at that point, it would have been twenty, maybe like twenty eight. And you were making two hundred and twenty grand a year. Yeah. And did that progress from there, mate? Like, like the years afterwards? No. So, like, what was happening? Like, what was happening was I was fine. Like, like I said, because I've always been chasing money. Like, I started seeing these synchronicities where, whenever I was more focused on trying to do these deals, I was earning less. And whenever I went to these retreats or workshops or go on holidays, I'd do my biggest deals. Like mm. I'd get – so whenever I stepped away from the focus of it, I'm like, there's something here. There's – I don't know what it is. And um, that coach, he sort of guided me. I just loved learning, like loved learning all these tools and strategies and it was helping my life. And um, – what happens is, like, I think you should, uh, I think you should give uh, coaching a go. And I was like, I, at that point, I was like, I don't, I'm just enjoying the content for myself. I don't know if I can give or anything or help anyone else with it. And and so that was the start. Like, I ended up doing the. It was a two year course, two year certification, um, and that's how I delved on this path. But it came to I sort of had a bit of a black night of the soul where. 
I looked back and I was like, you know what, I can just quit quit this job, this commercial real estate job, and I've done my, my just did my two-year certification. This was in 2014, and then coming in 2015, I was uh, certified. And um, I was like looking back at that super yacht story going, you know, I had $5,000 to my name, went overseas and, and got a job in the worst time that you could possibly get one. I was like, why can't I make why can't I make this coaching gig a go? So I was, the difference was was so I did. I quit my job, but I actually and I had about five thousand dollars to my name, and I actually ran out of money uh, after eight weeks trying to make the coaching business a go. And the difference was is I had more property, um, and I was thinking in the back of my head subconsciously what the fuck are you doing mm, 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 mm. <laughs> um and yeah it it crumbled everything like i was going through it and going why is this not working it worked before why is this not working this time and i just couldn't see the positive i was depressed i was negative um i'm like oh, what's gonna happen and in the end um i think i was on my couch depressed time i was like i'm going to go back to reading some you know success stories of people and some personal development books and whatnot just to try to shift my change you know change my state my thinking because i was so negative um and i got a call from one of the commercial real estate companies oppositions and this was one of the top four companies in the world so they, they headhunted me and they said, would you like to you know, come have a chat and see if you want to come work for us? And I was in the time, I was sort of, my ego was getting in the way mm. where it was like you're going back through the dog door mm. and, you know, you had that failure of it felt so strong, like, to you know, to, to give this success coaching, set coaching a, a good crack and it hasn't worked out. So I had mixed messages, like I was just like, what's going on? So... To keep the bills at bay because I had to, this is it. through this period I learned about payment plans because I always thought bills when bills were due that that's the end of the world and you need to come up with the money but through this period I had to figure it out and ask all the companies the power bill company rates water whatever bill there was the banks and go look this is my situation I've got no money I've got no income uh, what can I do? And then they've told me, you know, we can put you on a payment plan. And I guess the blessing out of that, is it gave me, you know, it gave me time um, to mm. get these things sorted, get my affairs sorted. So I ended up going back working for this commercial real estate company. Um, and, and it was great and all. And a year and a half in, uh, proposed to my wife in Japan because uh, we love going snowboarding. Um, and we were just thinking, like, after we were planning the wedding and whatnot, we were like, you do know what's next. Like, you know, you get married and then you have kids. And is, are we ready to do that or do we want to travel? And she, my wife, at the t my wife, she's, uh, she just hadn't really done a lot of traveling at that point. So she said, let's go, let's go live in Japan and do a season there. Um, and so I left. The commercial job um and we went over and worked in in japan in hokkaido which is uh the most north island it's closest to russia you can catch a ferry to russia um 
a lot of snow and yeah we worked over there and had fun and um started my first business which was a oh, it's not my, like my second business i guess i could say which was a snow apparel company um online snow apparel company which i've still got till this day um and uh from there we just learned everything about that but then you know always still doing workshops retreats personal development but it just had that that whisper like in the back of my head like i need i want to give it another crack i don't want to don't want this to be it with my coaching career mm. um and so got back into it on the side and basically just started building momentum um through the nfpd snow brand which is the snow apparel brand um and and then doing the coaching so it was at that time it was called mindset tricks and then i changed it to just martyclay.com and um and then from there basically you know went through the height like still going through the roller coaster of having another business <laughs> and having to figure out all those, you know, putting out the fires and whatnot and the struggle of, um, uh, you know, up until that point, you know, still like dealing with the struggle of, you know, of, of, of it all and not getting to the bottom of uh, the, you know, the money blockage. So mm-hmm. working through it all with that money blockage and the pain and whatnot with what that comes with. And um, from there, basically, you know, uh started doing personal development workshops and whatnot and um i had this incident where i didn't know you know that um i had an issue with receiving a blockage around receiving money until someone gifted me something that was of significant value and i couldn't take it gracefully um, and I had to reflect on that for two to three weeks, uh, two to three days, sorry, and go, wow, I've actually got a, an issue around receiving, which I consciously wasn't aware I had one. Mm. Um, I gave these money, you know, money set, money mindset workshops and, you know, help to bust these blockages and whatnot. And I'd see, this, you know, see people in the room and see their issues with receiving or whatever their mindset hang-ups around money or their relationship with money, but I'd be like, that's not me. That's not me. Mm. Oh, mate. There's so much coming to me there, you know, with, um, with, it, with it all and, and how, how that, that negative mind can block you from, from, um, from, from all the, 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 the gifts and, and the allowing and uh, the accepting and that sort of thing. And, yeah, I, 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 we've had the conversation about it. I've had a problem receiving things too, you know. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, though. Ha- ha- yeah, happy to give, like more, like very giving per- person. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mate, yeah, it, it is interesting. We, we've got so much potential as humans to open ourselves up when we – when we have the right intention and we, we want to allow something, you know, we want to bring something into our lives, how it actually can come when we're not forcing it. You know, I think when we force things, and that's probably what you were doing wrong uh, initially, you're maybe trying to force outcomes and, and you're getting pushed back against. But when you can wholeheartedly open yourself up and, and um, uh, you know, disconnect sometimes, like when you were going away, how things were happening when you weren't uh, in yeah, uh, you know, uh, in 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 the workplace or, or yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So like the one big insight, you know, reflecting between the the super yacht scenario 
and why that worked was I was able to take care of all my financial responsibilities where when I went out to start my coaching career first go, I still had that in the back of my mind. How the hell am I going to sort this out? So that's, mm. that's the error that happened. But a big one that I, I try to remind myself daily of any decision I make is am I coming from a place of love mm. or am I coming from a place of fear? Yeah, yep. Yes. Yeah, huge lesson. Well, it's total opposites, isn't it? Total opposites. Like fear is, is the lower level of consciousness. Love is the higher level of consciousness. Yeah, so from there with the receiving, uh, you know, I put the intention out there going, you know, what's this issue that I've got around receiving and money? Like I know I've got a money blockage and it just got more awareness until someone physically handed me something of value to, to d- unlock and discover the thing that I've been, you know, been chased, like trying to figure out for my whole life up until this point. And, and then I put, you know, through meditations and breath work, I'd, in my meditations and breath work, I'd, uh, you know, put that intention out while doing meditations and breath work. Is there, is there any, have I healed you know, have I healed this issue around my relationship with money or is there more to it? And then after about six months, I was speaking to uh, one of my mentors, told her that story of the receipt, said, I feel like you have, from the story you told me, I feel like you have a trauma from your childhood. And I was like, I don't have a trauma from my childhood. I'd know about it. And she said, you've just buried it deep down inside you and you need to put that intention out there, whether that's in your meditations or breath work or write it down and see what comes up. And she said, the thing that you do with your coaching clients, uh, which is the one-on-one sessions unlocked from within, I suggest you do that on yourself with this and put the intention out and see what comes up. Mm. And so I got my wife um, to do the sessions and it was, ama- it was amazing. It literally through the breathwork part of it, the whole scene unraveled straight away. I was a blubbering mess, crying and whatnot, and just processing the sadness and the crying and letting it come up rather than trying to resist and go, I shouldn't be crying, this is stupid or whatever. Mm. And um, let the whole scene unravel from, I guess, a third-person view of it all. And basically what it was was... uh, it was uh, my mum was at home and my dad was away on work. Uh, I think he might have been away for a week or whatever. And um, the where we were living, it was not didn't have town water, so we had a septic tank, and the septic tank blocked. And the plumber came out and he quoted, I don't know, it could have been nine hundred or fifteen hundred dollars. And mum and dad didn't have that money at that point in time and she's just like i don't know what to do like we need to get this fixed and and the next day she came home with these uh two live mice and i i was eight years old at this point or could have been just after eight years old and um i was like what are you going to do with those mice she said i've got a i've got a kill them and flush them down the toilet and that's going to unblock the septic tank so you could imagine 
this conversation mm. with you've got a child and this running through your eight-year-old child. And I've never seen my mum in this light before. She was always, you know, I've just always saw one side to her. <laughs> she was loving and caring. Um, and I was like, no, you're not doing it. And usually up until any time I've, you know, put my foot down as a child and said, don't do it, and she could see how upset I was, she'd actually stop and not do the thing, whatever it was. I stormed off to my bedroom and I'm bawling and I'm crying, thinking I'll just be louder and it'll, she'll, she'll stop. She'll definitely stop. And she won't go through with it. And she did. And I could hear the scream, the screaming of the mice. And she flushed him. And in that moment, like seeing it from a subconscious level through, you know, through that, seeing it from that view, I could see the link of where my money blockage came from. And talking about the story, it sounds far-fetched and it's crazy, um, but... What it what it was was I couldn't control that event, that circumstance in keeping those mice alive, mm. and the other part of it that I blamed uh, my mum or dad is that they weren't financially that weren't you know if they were financially had the money to fix that septic tank, um, those mice wouldn't have died. Mm. Mm. So from that scene, like you know, looking at that that whole scene prior, I knew it was messed up, but I didn't think it was a trauma. I didn't think it controlled my life. Mm. I wasn't, you know, after that point, I wasn't like, I didn't hate my mum. Like there could have been a period I was upset with her, but I, it didn't shape me and, you know, it would change the direction. I was always grateful, always loved my mum, still do. Um, and when it surfaced, looking back at it, in the in the session like i i wasn't angry with my mum i understood she had to do what she thought she had to do um and it did in the end it's for some weird reason it the septic septic tank unblocked and it worked but that must have been a hard thing for my mum to do because she knew how upset i was and mm. and whatnot and um yeah i'm you know, I don't have any issues around it now with her or anything. Um, but like, I, you know, I don't, I don't think you know someone's got a septic tank to go out and do that. I don't condone that or anything. But yeah, that's that whole unraveling came about from I had to get down to a subconscious level mm-hmm. to figure out my money blockage. And Just, who would have thought that was my money blockage? Jeez. Well, well, first thing, mate. I don't know how the hell two dead mice can unblock something. But yeah. um, but but certainly yeah the, like yeah I I I'm thinking back of some, of some traumatizing moments when I was a kid too and what blockages could actually come with that you know um, and yeah like I saw my mum and dad sort of you know constantly you know talking about money this and the other and that actually came into my game when I was married I was talking about like you know, arguing about money consistently and I kept earning more and more but then we just seemed to be. Uh, still struggling i couldn't work that out you know exactly and that's that's been the thing that's been the theme throughout my whole life was could earn the money but then these unforeseen circumstances once i've got the money i couldn't hold on to it like some 
unexpected bill would come up and I'd have to, mm. all the money would go to that and I'd just mm. be like, am I cursed? Like, yeah. is there something, like, there's, I, like I, I was aware that I had a money blockage but I just didn't know where to start. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's, it's amazing. you got such a gift now to, to be able to help other people through your own experiences. I, I'd like to know about ice bars and that and when they actually come into your life and the benefits that have come from, from, from that one. Yeah, and so, so how that all came about was uh, basically getting more deeper. Like, I, I'd get, I meditate, and you know, they, you know, everyone says meditate's good for you, but I don't really at the point that point in time, I didn't really enjoy meditating. Thoughts would still bounce around in my head, or it was more of a chore. And then when I saw, I think I saw Wim Hof on YouTube, uh, who's a breathwork expert if you don't know him i'd highly suggest google wim hof um and did his his free breath he's got free breath works on youtube and did his three round i think it was 11 minutes that's all it is um and i did it and i couldn't believe the feeling i had from that um and i did some i did a bit of breath work prior to that but a different type of breath work at a workshop and it definitely was the thing that opened me up the most. Like I could, we did breath work around birthing. We did breath work face to face with eyes open. Um, all these different birth, like breath work techniques, um, but didn't do the Wim Hof one at that stage. Cause I think that was, I don't know, 2014, 2015, but, um, got back into the breath work through Wim Hof. And then from there, uh, did his, uh, workshop um and that got me into cold showers and i just found you know working in my business on the day-to-day i was getting more triggered and reactive um in a triggered reactive state in the morning and not coming up with solutions and just be very like oh here's another thing to deal with and i found basically doing you know getting up in the morning going for a run or going to the gym and then doing a cold shower or uh, or an ice bath or just going into the ocean cold in winter, the day would run better in terms of I'd still have issues come up, but I was more relaxed and the solution would come up quicker. So I wasn't reactive and I wasn't triggered. Mm, yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you, you, you go to your core of your being, don't you? You know, You're when, pres- yeah, yeah. When you when you actually like a challenged, uh, and you overcome that challenge in the morning, then then everything just you, you just surrender and let go. And then once you surrender and let go, I think that's when you open yourself up to the gifts of life, maybe. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you get the dopamine. You know, the natural dopamine hit from your own body. Um, you know, you can, you can, uh, and you know, like obviously, I have a love of of the cold from snowboarding but you know you work your way up to to the steps of getting to the ice bar so like like, you know if you're interested if you hate the cold a lot of people do a lot of people i facilitate hate the cold when i take them through to do their first ice bath but you work your way up to you know you can just do a cold shower do your normal hot shower and then the last 30 seconds turn it to cold and build your tolerance up until you can do a full cold shower um and then from there, you take your next steps, you know, and, and um, whether that's doing your hands and your feet, your extremities, try that first. And then from there, 
you know, try and do an ice bath with someone that obviously with someone that's around. Um, you know, it's like you've got to be able to experience it for yourself. But yeah, to see people like when I do a workshop, whether it's a ice bath, catered around ice bath. I get a few people like, you know, they just, I hate the cold, I hate the cold. And then to see them get that win of, you know, overcoming something that they fear mm. and impa- and they are empowering themselves afterwards, it's priceless. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Agree, mate. Well, that's it. And you talked about fear and love before, you know, the opposite ends of the scale, really. Once you once you overcome that fear, then you come you get out of uh, out of that with a sense of joy, don't you? Yeah. Joy and love, yeah. which is which is opening you up and... That, that in its essence is a, is, a, is a real lesson, you know, to be able to like look at the, the huge blockage that that negative mind's there, there to protect us as we've discussed, but be able to sort of, you know, move through and overcome that and, and just let go. Uh, once you let go, there, then you just open yourself up to, um, to, to the real uh, benefits of it all. But yeah, it's amazing. Like, you know, I'll, I'll have fear around it too, but I know once I do it and I've, I've got through it, then, you know, the outcomes are a lot better. Yeah, I think a big one, you know, is getting having that win, in, mm. you know, having a win in the morning. First thing, having a win for the day sets you up, sets up that positive momentum and, and change because it's changing your state. So if you've had a really bad day or the day before or if you're going through something that's really challenging mentally, emotionally, you're in that vibration and frequency. And I don't know about you, but I find when I'm in that state, then I'm like a magnet to more things that I don't want happening and I'm just attracting more shit, pushing shit uphill and you're on that wheel. And for me, the thing to is awareness is like, right, I'm on that wheel. How can I change my state? And I find it's just the quickest way to change my state, whether it's just the 11-minute breath work and that's that. And then if something else comes up through the day, do it again mm. and if i feel like i need to do it again because i feel like i'm getting wobbly again i'll do it again but i just think it just cuts through and changes your state instantly if mm. you can do the uh the combination of the breath work and the ice baths mm. um mm. and so basically yeah from there like I, I i sell portable ice baths worldwide um and and you know if anyone's interested facilitate them as well um, as well as doing that other type of session, which is the Unlock From Within session, which I did with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mate, that was really good. So Marty took me through a, a session the other day. And, you know, just on that, like I've done heaps of different, um, you know, training, education and yoga. Kundalini yoga primarily, um, you know, the foundation of a lot of that is around breath work. And, um, uh, you know, I've done, done you know, a hard year of... Um, uh, of becoming a, a, a Kundalini yoga teacher, which challenged me to my core, you know. Uh, so I understand it, but what you put me through the other day really, um, you know, is effective and it only takes 11 minutes. It doesn't take, you know, half an hour or two and a half hours like some of them, you know. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it certainly, uh, you know, it helped, helped me uh, get some clarity and, um, you know, I just recommend anyone listening if they want to learn a good breathwork practice to maybe reach out to you and, and do one of these sessions, I think, um, you know, those investments in yourself can make a huge difference, you know, and that's where the money blockage can actually shift for you if you've got one. Having to hire someone to give you a hand, uh, you know, can be, uh, can be, can be uh, quite traumatic. You know, we're, we're, we're quite, um, 
we're quite uh, often handing money over the counter for booze or, uh, or medication, but actually to hand the money over to, for someone to give you a hand uh, to help move you forward rather than you know, keep you standing still, I think can be um, invaluable, mate. So you know, I'd, I'd recommend anyone listening to jump on your website and have a look at what you do and then possibly um, you know, if they want to really change something in their life, maybe invest in this and invest in an ice bath possibly. Yeah, like, exactly. Thank you. It's like you know, the biggest thing that I've found is, you know, people, you're in your habits, those daily habits or those not so great habits. And you might try one, you might be like, all right, I've had enough pain. I've finally reached that pain threshold where I need to change something in my life and I'll go do a personal development workshop or do a one-on-one coaching session or whatever and you might go do it once, right, and then it's awesome the the two days or the three days or the week or the two weeks or whatever it is, the, the one-hour session, and and then you get back to the real world and your normal life and your negative programs are still there and you're like, what the hell? I've just, you know, I'm back where I was before and it's I think the thing that you've got to think of is it. it it's not something you can just do once. Like you've got to treat it like your body being healthy. The more you eat something healthy or the more you go to gym, the more reps you do, it's something for life. Mm. So eventually something's got to shift. So, you know, like I was on that personal development journey from when I was 17, 17 or 16 and I'm 37 now and I'm still having breakthroughs and whatnot. It doesn't mean that my life is that much better than yours. It just means I've found tools and strategies to deal with the adversity, the challenges, the failures. I still have that on a day-to-day. I've found peace in some areas of my life where, you know, I had a hang-up with my mum and dad, not, not that they would know, but, like, in terms of, you know, thinking in my head up until I was 34, like, if they were... You know, if they were financially free or financially independent, we would not have had any of those issues. And mm. I and and I was striving for one-sidedness. I so just enjoying when something positive would happen in my life and be addicted to that, rather than looking at how negatives are serving me. And, and the gift, the gift from one of the workshops, which I take people through as well, um, is. I was at, I was I did this two day workshop with Dr. John Demartini, which is called the Breakthrough Experience, which I highly recommend checking out. Was you go through this sequence of listing your perceived their perceived negative traits and owning those negative traits because if you've ever had a relationship with anyone, you're like I don't know how I could be anything like them, but mm. you're resisting those traits and so you go through this process of owning them and I was driving one time for about I don't know maybe a week after and the penny dropped while I was driving and what happened was I finally saw the gift of if my parents weren't how they were with that financial struggle like I love them to death I still love them now um is I wouldn't be here helping others with That's their right. pain. Yep. That was the gift they gave me. And until I could see it from that perspective, which I couldn't before, I would have this internal battle 
with myself in my head. So whenever I'd go over and see them, they wouldn't know. Just in my head, I'd be like, oh, there they go again doing something I don't perceive as, mm. you know, I'd see as a negative or they're angry, you know, whatever it is. Now I go over and I've got peace in that with my relationship. They don't know any differently. Um, and their lives have improved and my lives improved and I can just come from learning unconditional love, which I think is at the bottom of everything. Yes, it is. Yeah, mate. And, and yeah, you know, it, it come to me there while, I, while you were talking. Like I, I had the same things with my parents, like, you know, what if this, that and the other. But, yeah, the, the, the gift of the struggle actually has really helped me. And, you know, I remember when I was young, I was six, 16, I, I had this sliding door moment, should I go left or go right? And uh, at that time, I, I went I went the hard way, uh, but something said to me then, you've got to go through this so you can come out the other side better, you know? Uh, and cool. uh, I had to go through all the, you know, the, the, the traumas of this, that and the other, and, you know, struggling and, you know, the, the, the habits and all that sort of stuff to, to actually like to, to understand, you know, that we can all overcome adversity and move through this and, and love is... The love for yourself, but love for for, for everything, because that is the under underlying, you know, uh, truth of uh, uh, of what it's all about. You know, uh, at the end of the day, mate. Uh, we're we're going to run out of time. How can people get hold of you? Uh, you can get a hold of me at martyclay.com, M-A-R-T-Y-C-L-A-Y. You can also check me out on LinkedIn. It's Martin Clay, M-A-R-T-I-N-C-L-A-Y. Uh, on Facebook, Marty, M-A-R-T-Y. C-L-A-Y, and on Instagram, Marty, M-A-R-T-Y, C-L-A-Y, uh, one, 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 one. Yeah, easy, um, Yeah. Easy, easy. Now that's, uh, people, people can find you, and they can contact me if they uh, they need to track you down if they can't. But um, yeah, and, and then also, yeah, if you're interested in a, a uh, portable ice bath, that's just portable ice baths with an S on the end, dot com. Yeah. which reverts back to martyclay.com at the moment, but it will have a standalone standalone page soon. And, um, yeah, check out my podcast, which is called Unlocked From Within. Within yeah. uh, and you can also just Google unlockedfromwithin.com, but that'll it'll be on the martyclay.com as well as on Spotify, Google, and also on YouTube and any other podcasts that you, uh, outlets yeah. you listen to. Awesome, mate. Really, really appreciate the chat. Oh, this is gonna, this is gonna cut us off soon. So, um, mate, uh, I'm, I'm hoping we can catch up soon down the track. Uh, and um, yeah, the best is uh, yet to come, yet to come for you, mate. That's for sure. So you're looking for the next next 37, and probably another 37 after that if you keep doing what you're doing. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, I'm only here to help. It's got if anything resonated or feel like something uh sounds similar like i just feel that's the key like if anything resonates then go seek out those people because you're going to be more open to seeing how they deal with the adversities and setbacks and failures we, we all go through it you know it's just finding the right tools and strategies to deal with it 